Hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. My name is Kathleen Merkel and I'm the host of the show. And together with a wide range of legendary leaders themselves and experts in the field of self-leadership, we are going to explore concepts and ideas that show you how you can move past your fears, negative self-talk and constant doubts in order to encourage you to becoming a legendary leader yourself with far more natural impact, influence and inspiration. So are you ready for it? Well, welcome once again to Legendary Leaders, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Legendary Leaders. Today I have Carmeny Wood with me, a certified professional coach who helps people take the courageous steps to identify their limiting beliefs, the reasons for their stagnation or feelings of not enoughness, so they can have what they want professionally and personally to live a fulfilled life. Wow. If that's not a purpose in life, then I don't know what it is. And we are going to be delving into what stagnation is, how Carmine has experienced it, what she does in order to understand, okay, where to next. But we are talking about some of those self-limiting beliefs that might get in our way, but at the same time, give us a wonderful um, resource to raise awareness, to understand what's happening just now for me. What do these messages actually tell me? And now what am I going to do about it? Yeah, To build a life that brings real joy and ease and fulfillment, whatever it is that you want from your life. But let me tell you a little bit more about Carmini. She is the creator of Authentic Me and the CEO of Lift Joy Your Way, a coaching company helping high performance and overachievers who have seen success through old-rooted traditional metrics re-establish their relational self-awareness. Meaning, she helps them understand how they think what beliefs might be holding them back so they can really come home to joy, fulfillment, and a newly defined definition of success driven internally rather than from external validation. Her clients truly live into self-acceptance, self-confidence, and self-leadership. Trained in internal family systems, cognitive behavioral-based coaching, and acceptance and commitment-based coaching, she's able to help her clients navigate through past traumas, toxic relationships with others, and themselves and into the life they want professionally and personally. And in particular, those last points that I've mentioned, we are going to delve a little bit deeper into. Carmeny is the mom of five, and she's going to give us some wonderful insights into her learnings of a mom of teenagers, how she saw her own patterns show up in some of her children and how she could support them through those patterns to become their most confident selves. And hopefully they're going to continue being confident, full of joy and life. We are also going to touch up on toxic relationships. And that's so easy to say to get out of them and to make sure you make space for something new, refreshing, healthy. Not as easy, is it? So let's talk about that a little bit more as well. And we are going to talk about direct communication. I'm a sucker for direct communication. So let's delve into it. What does it take to say no? How, how can we communicate our boundaries and the benefits we can gain from doing so? So let's stop constantly being apologetic about being perhaps a little bit more upfront and straightforward. And let's really step into our power and our conviction, and our beliefs, and communicate them as such. How can we do them? Well, listen to the show, and I'm going to see you there in a moment. I have the beautiful Carmeny Wood here with me. Hello. Hello. I'm so excited to be here with you. Oh, I'm so excited to hear from you today. Uh, it feels like such a long time since we spoke last, and I remember leaving our pre-conversation thinking, Oh my God, this is a superwoman. I am going to be talking to me today. So why don't you share a little bit with the audience about yourself, the life you live, the different roles you play in your life? Sure. So the most important role I believe I play is that of mom. Um, I am a mother to five. My oldest is 21. I have a 19-year-old 
17, 14, and almost 10-year-old. As I said, that's the most important role that I play. And and really, truly, they are my why in terms of of what I do and why I do it. Um, So leading into that, professionally, I call myself a human potential coach. And what that really means is helping individuals figure out what could be holding them back from living their true human potential. So is that limiting beliefs, false beliefs, their own uh, narratives that they've been holding on to, figuring out what no longer serves them so that they can they can truly live the life that they want, whether we're talking professionally or personally. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. <laughs> well, in your role as a coach, you are supporting a variety of individuals, and, and let's talk about that in a moment. But you, you've also written a number of books. I have. So it's really interesting. My, my book, Ohm, Life's Gentle Reminders, actually did not Uh, start out as an intention to write a book. I was actually just writing some short analogies of taking everyday experiences that I was having or noticing in in life in general and uh, creating analogies for bigger life lessons. And I realized that I could compile them and create this little tiny book that people could take. And it's not necessarily meant to be a front to back cover read, but more just being able to pick it up, read an analogy and and ask those important questions of where might this be showing up in my life and how could I potentially take an experience that's happening in my everyday life and grow through it? Because ultimately, that's the crux of what I do, I think, is helping people understand that life is happening through us and for us. And if we can take those nuggets of growth and learning, really what we're doing is is leaning into self-compassion. And through that, we can go so much further than leading by um or inner critic or beating ourselves up. Some of the other books I've been a part of, I've been really blessed to be part of um, collaborations. And so just being part of those collaborations has just been really fulfilling learning from other, other women um, and and learning from their stories. It's just, just very inspiring. Well, when it comes to the individuals and groups you're working with, who are they? Where are they coming from? I mean, background in particular. And last but not least, what do they bring? I'm always curious about how somebody arrives in a session where you notice, okay, I can help uncovering your true potential. So many of the clients that I work with are coming from a background of either um, they're high, they're, they tend to be high performers, or at least they tend to be people pleasers or those individuals who have the perfectionist tendency, those who are constantly giving and over-functioning for others. So when they show up reaching out to me, they have hit a place in, in their personal world where they're recognizing that they're either being held back or they feel stuck or stagnant and they're ready to do the work that's required to shift and change. And those are the individuals that when they come to me and they're sharing with me, I have this, you know, it's almost instantaneously where I'm listening to what they're saying and I can recognize patterns in what they're sharing with me. It might be my math background. I do think that I tend to lean on that, looking for patterns and understanding how those patterns are showing up. But mainly it's individuals who are showing up ready to make a change first and foremost, but also individuals who are, um, who have spent a majority of their time either kind of being in the background, almost being in the shadow, pushing themselves back in deference to others. Um, I was just talking to somebody just this morning about this very thing where she's recognizing that she's been playing small. And that comes from an old story from when she was younger in terms of not wanting to be a burden, which actually resonated with me because that was a lot of my story growing up, not wanting to be a burden to her, her single mom. And it happens. I I do work with a, a range of ages. So I work with people who are teens all the way through mature adults, because these elements show up in many different aspects and many different ages. It's not just when we're, you know, in our forties or fifties that we're recognizing this, we can be 17, 18 years old and recognize, wow, I have a lot of social anxiety. Where does that come from? Oh, that comes from the fact that I happen to be a perfectionist and I'm so worried about letting somebody down that when I'm in a social environment, I, I play small and and don't engage. And I get really nervous and overly anxious and overly think about the situation that I'm in. Mm. Oh, and, and I saw that you are working with teens indeed as well. I find it fascinating the ranges of ages 
uh, demographics that you support as well. And I do wonder what what do you see or where do you see the biggest differences in results in the process when working with teens versus somebody who has progressed a little bit more in their lives? That is such a great question because there is a difference, right? The way that I can coach somebody who's more mature in age is going to be different than how I can coach somebody who's in their teens or their young adults, their young adult years, because they're processing information differently. The results themselves are going to um, be different simply based on where each person is in their life. What I have noticed is the requirement in terms of coaching is really about being open to looking at things differently. So if I have a young adult who's just either stuck in victimhood or not willing to challenge themselves, it's more difficult to work through that than a young adult who shows up recognizing that they do want to work on how to move forward so that they they can start shaping their future. In terms of the coaching style, I have to vary it slightly, like I mentioned, because our brains aren't fully formed until we're about 25 years old anyway. So the way that we have a conversation, a coaching conversation with a 19-year-old is going to be different than if I'm having a conversation with a 45-year-old simply because of how this, the information is assimilated. Mm-hmm. And so I just really lean on the different trainings that I've had in terms of modalities and just Also being a parent of five, I have learned over the course of just being a mom that there's a difference in how each individual will assimilate information as well as how they assimilate information differently based on their ages. Mm -hmm. So I've taken personal experience as well as training and brought them together to be able to serve the the range that I serve. Yeah, that might be a very obvious question, but I did have it in terms of how it plays out in your family life, given that you have teenagers and um, uh, children now the oldest one you said is 21 right 21 yep yeah Mm -hmm. Um, in in those years where so much is happening where our personality forms our brain as you mentioned um, evolves and ah I I wonder how you can apply your knowledge in your with your family but I also wonder how it might sometimes get in the way Oh gosh, it does. It's uh, what my older kids and I have really learned is to create um, that. I asked them the question, do you want coach mom or do you just want mom in whatever situation that they're, they're talking about? Because sometimes our kids just need me. My kids just need me to show up as mom, just be mom and, you know, sit there and be like, yes, that's really awful and frustrating. And I hear you and I'm just here for you and love you. And sometimes they need me to ask the questions that get them to think about something differently. I think it has absolutely helped me, especially in my training in conscious parenting to show up differently and recognize that when I'm coming from a place of being um, either projecting my own story or my own narrative, I have learned to take a step back and to just breathe and recognize that I, I need to shift and make this about my child and not about you know, my story or my thoughts about a certain situation or my feelings about it, but get really curious with what they're experiencing. So my oldest happens to be a professional ballerina. And so that's really challenged me to understand not just the high performance and perfectionist mindset, but also how to show up in a way that can just give her the space that she needs to work through. Cause that is a very challenging industry to be in from many different aspects. It's challenging from a, a, an athletic perspective, you know, just a performance, but then it's also challenging from a social perspective because there's so much comparison that happens when you're in that type of industry. So from, from that perspective, it has definitely offered the ability for me to show up in a way that, that has really uh, given her room to figure out what she needs. And, and as a matter of fact, she's actually in the process of changing ballet companies right now. And definitely coaching came in and handy for that because it was me making sure that I was, I was giving her the space that she needed to figure out what was right for her. And at times she actually said, just give me your opinion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I had to slow down and say, I can give you my opinion, but that would be me and how I would show up. And this is your life. And we need to make sure that this is coming from a place that really is um, that you're driving it. It's your intrinsic nature. It's your desires, wants, and needs that are being met, not mine. So again, that was a way that I was able to, to dial into coaching and, and couple it with showing up as a different, a different, very aware parent in that moment. 
Loving this. You can literally practice it in every part of your life. And at the same time, I can well imagine the kids saying, I just need mom now. <laughs> they, do. The they, and they, they do. They do. And I honor it. And I'm like, yes, I agree. This is terrible and frustrating. <laughs> yeah. My, my friends keep saying that to me. No coaching needed. Just listen. Just listen. <laughs> just share what you think. <laughs> Perfectionism. I'm going to be very stereotypical now and say that something I'm noticing in high achieving women leaders in particular is this drive, this tendency to be perfect, to get it perfect for me, for others, to be seen as perfect. I juggle it all, right? Family, career, um, finances, happy marriage, whatever it is, it's perfect Yes. Uh, until we are breaking down. And we know mm-hmm. it's not also perfect. And why am I striving for perfection, actually? Mm-hmm. So what are those signs of perfectionism? And what can we do, so you're saying it very simplistically, to relax a bit? <laughs> I wish it were that easy, right? Where we could just mm-hmm. do one or two things and relax. <laughs> those signs, you know, when we are, when our anxiety levels or our stress levels are over the top, when we are over-functioning, that's another example. But the fear of failure is a big indicator that there is something that we are holding ourselves accountable for in terms of trying to be perfect with it. It's really important for us to, I think when we're, because I'm a perfectionist myself, is to really practice mindfulness, come back to this moment. Because I think as perfectionists, we have a tendency to either ruminate over something that happened in the past, or we are spending so much of our time worrying about the future, right? Because we're either ruminating about the past and trying to figure out what we did wrong and beat ourselves up for that, or we are trying to anticipate all the things that are going to happen so we can execute something perfectly. So as a perfectionist, one of the greatest assets is is to practice the present moment. I am here right now This is the choice that I'm making for myself in this moment. And it's the best choice that I can make for myself, given the information I have. The other thing, of course, is, and I'm so big on this, is self-compassion. It's something that I had to learn. And that's just kindness over judgment. It is leaning into what did I learn from this situation? You know, how can I grow from a situation? And utilizing that to move ourselves forward. Because as a perfectionist, what will happen is to your point, we will continue to push ourselves and push ourselves until we completely burn out or we pick up our head and we realize that we are just absolutely exhausted. And it's because we have taken on this either mentality or narrative that we have to prove that we are, we are successful by how busy we are. You know, it's almost taking into account that society um, has actually sort of given us this, this idea that if our, our, you know, uh, planner isn't full, isn't, it doesn't have, appointments from the morning till the evening, somehow we're lazy. And so it's changing and recognizing that we're not lazy. We're maybe for for a moment doing a little bit of self-care. <laughs> Just a little bit. Just a little bit. <laughs> Be- Sorry, and breathing, me. right? Just breathing. Just breathing and taking in a few moments of the day. <laughs> yes. And then be aware. Uh, and I know it sounds so cliche because us as coaches um, talk about it a lot. It starts with self-awareness. I would call myself a perfectionist. However, I define perfectionism similar to what you just said. I'm busy. Yeah, I'm wanted. I'm needed. Mm-hmm. My services are needed. I can manage all of it myself. I'm independent. Independence has a lot to do for me with mm-hmm. perfectionism. Whereby I have friends, colleagues, clients who would define perfectionism as very detail orientated, um, doing everything perfectly, presentations, writing, and so on and so forth. I'm not that at all. And when I come back to the awareness, it's this, this point where I personally need to listen so strongly to myself, to my signals that the body sends me, yep. where I'm literally like, how do I feel? Am I knackered, exhausted? I could literally fall asleep the moment I switch off the laptop. Mm. What is it I need? Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you just fill up your calendar, and and I'm my own worst enemy, and you just keep running, 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 what have you actually achieved? What Absolutely, you because you're not even you're not even present for most yeah. of it. And I love what you just said about the body signals. I definitely utilize because um, I'm a perfectionist. Like I said, when I have those knots tied up in the pit of my stomach, those are generally uh, when it's 
that because butterflies and anxiousness that can be more just fears, right? But for me, knots generally means that I'm trying to lean into doing way too much or overscheduling myself because I'm trying to quote unquote, be the best version or trying to do enough or whatever that may be. And so what I loved about what you were saying was paying attention to your body signals. Your body has that intelligence. It's Mm -hmm. going to tell you what's happening. And so often we don't. Once again, we're just so busy. We just keep going through our day. So slowing down, being present and actually doing a body scan is a great way to pay attention to what's actually happening. So true. Interesting. You mentioned in knots. Mm-hmm. I have a sense of numbness. Mm-hmm. I feel literally <laughs> numb. I'm not able to take anything in. Everything feels hard. I need to drag myself to do something. And, and I'm losing my sensations for joy, for... I don't know, embracing community, everything that usually gives me energy. And mm-hmm. that's for me a big one to say, okay, it's time to stop. And in best case, sooner than that. <laughs> yes. Hopefully we notice it before we get to that point. <laughs> exactly. But you mentioned something earlier. You spoke to a client this morning and her story really resonated with you. What's your story? Because everybody has a story that leads them onto their path. Tell us a little bit sure. more about that. So I uh, am the daughter of immigrant parents. Uh, My mom came here when she was about 13, 14 years old and my father when he was 19. Uh, My sister and I were raised in Connecticut, very small town in Connecticut. Um, So, you know, predominantly white town. Uh, Growing up in that area, I clearly looked different, you know, clearly darker skin. I had a name like Comedy, definitely stuck out. Um, So from a very early age, five, six-year-old me um, recognized how different I was and it contributed to some shyness and some introvertedness, just not knowing how I belonged. The way that my little, my little being solved that issue was uh, leaning into people pleasing and being overly kind and overly giving in order to be liked and to be accepted. And that's really where my people pleasing started. And then you add on the fact that my parents were working very hard to provide for my sister and I, what I really had internalized from that was I did not want to be a burden. I did not want to be somebody that they needed to also worry about or have to uh, pay a lot of attention to because they were working so hard. So I really did take on that perfectionism that I can do everything right, do it really well. Mom and dad aren't going to have to worry about me as long as I maintain and, and, and own my part being, you know, the good girl being as close to perfect as I could be. Uh, they didn't have to worry about me. I was not going to be a burden in in their world at all. So those two things really led me throughout my adult life. And so I ended up in the dot-com industry. I ended up working as a project, man- like I ran a project management office. Um, and what I really enjoyed doing there was working with the individuals on helping them understand what they needed to get their own, their own part of the projects done so that we would deliver our we had our deliverables on time. Uh, for for in time, ended up running my husband's law practice for about fifteen years. And even in that realm, what I really honed in on was helping individuals understand what they really wanted and needed, and how they wanted to grow. Um, I wore so many different hats at the firm, but that's the part that I loved. While all that was happening professionally for me, though, uh, personally, I was raising kids, and they have been my kids are the, my greatest teachers. I will definitely stand by that statement. And they were starting to mirror back to me, this people pleasing perfectionism. And I could see how it was actually detrimentally affecting them. It was actually my middle daughter that I saw the people pleasing really taking hold and the anxieties really rising. And that's when I realized that that was coming from how I was showing up and how I was unconsciously showing up, I should say, you know, it was all the subconscious internalization that was happening. And so I went through my own inner work and recognizing that I needed to transform and work on those parts of me so that I could show up differently and more consciously as a parent and hopefully give her and my other kids the ability to, you know, rewrite what their narrative was going to be in terms of recognizing that they don't have to be people pleasers. They can be their own loving, empathetic being, but they it doesn't have to lean into people pleasing. So to this day, I say that my strength is empathy, but when I lean too far into it, that's when it becomes people pleasing and can actually hold me back. 
So you take that self-transformation, you take all of this work professionally that was happening and what I was really loving. And that's when I realized that that was my actual calling was to help individuals understand themselves on a deeper level and understand themselves releasing judgment, right? So it's not about understanding and being judgy about oneself, but it's understanding themselves from this place of self-compassion, from this place of um, curiosity. I, my clients laugh because I use the word curious a lot. And so then they'll, they'll, they'll mimic me and they'll say, I said, I was, I thought to myself, I'm curious about this. They joke with me all the time, but it's one of my favorite words. Can we be curious about that? Anyway, so I brought all those things together and that's really where my, my practice was born out of was um, taking the professional stuff that I loved doing training, um, as well as my personal experiences and creating this, this world that I now live in day in and day out. <laughs> Which is impressive. And there's so much more to it than what you have outlined um, a few <laughs> minutes ago. Um, you mentioned, however, your middle daughter in particular, and I am very curious about not only how we notice people-pleasing tendencies in ourselves, but also what can we see in others? Because Perhaps we have a tendency and we may not be aware of it, but also maybe there are people around us who have very strong people-pleasing tendencies that lead to anxiety and not feeling very well that we can support. So I want to raise a little bit of awareness here. And if you don't mind sharing a little bit more about what did you notice in and about your daughter at this point of time? What were those signals? There was a lot of anxiety socially, but also her inability to really name what she wanted or what she was thinking. It became making sure that it aligned with everybody else first and not giving herself the space to really say, this is what I think. Oftentimes it was a struggle to get her opinion stated. Um, And I've noticed that with my clients. I have a lot of clients who are really afraid of stating their own opinion because they're afraid of creating conflict. So there's a lot of conflict avoidance as well. Um, and then especially when you're in those teenage years socially, just noticing that it was always, there was always this tendency to defer to what her friends wanted, not in a negative way, but in a place of trying to make sure that her friends were happy. And I could see so much of me popping up in, in what she was doing when I did my work. And then also recognizing that these are the things that we need to talk about rather than hiding behind, you know, closed doors. What happens when we don't talk about it, we're actually contributing to self-shame. And so really being honest and open about how I show up and do that, and then giving her the space to recognize when maybe she shows up and that's something that she's worried about, that she's worried about conflict. What I have now witnessed is, as I mentioned, she's 17 years old, and I'm just in awe of the fact that even with what happens around her, she knows what her values are, and she's not afraid to communicate those to her friends. It's not always easy. It can be sometimes very uncomfortable, but I have witnessed her really holding steadfast to what she wants and and not in a spiteful or a um, disrespectful way. It's just, that's not going to work for me. This is what I prefer to do. And she has, she's created some really great friendships. So it's not saying you isolate yourself by holding those boundaries. Instead, those boundaries have allowed her to figure out who she really wanted to be friends with and aligned with her. And so I just, I I truly am. I'm in awe of watching her work through, work through those teenage years, which are always difficult. (laughs) And you still have so much ahead of you to see how she develops further and grows into this, who knows, very confident, inspiring woman, you know? Yes. Hopefully so. Today's podcast is sponsored by Inner Professional Online Training Programs. With courses geared specifically for legendary leaders, Inner Professional provides an extraordinary catalog of leadership and professional development programs unlike any online training you've experienced before. Hone your conscious and authentic leadership skills with peer group networking communities, direct engagement with life experts, and a wealth of compelling, easy to engage on demand content. Learn more at kathleenmerkel.com slash innerprofessional. I am a huge supporter of the direct communication community that I've invented, by the way, I don't know if there is one, but it's a topic that's uh, a a massive passion project and piece of work for me in, in terms of, Let's, you know, don't 
shame ourselves because we are direct, we are communicating our boundaries, we share our opinions, everything you've just said. Mm. I have been in my past criticized very heavily for it. And to some extent, rightly so, because it was too harsh. The tone of it, Mm. the way I communicated wasn't right. However, what I communicated had a point and very important one. And Mm. there's a tendency, and I see that I saw it in myself and I see it in some women I'm working with where we shame ourselves. We must not do that. We fall back into these old habits that we may have developed as children. And I'm so curious about your opinion. When we get to that stage where we even deepen friendships because of sharing our boundaries so clearly and directly, wow, what other benefits are there in showing up as who we truly are? I honestly, I love that question. And I will be totally honest and transparent that as a people pleaser, I didn't have boundaries at all. And so I have really spent a lot of time and continue to work on communicating boundaries. I absolutely agree with you that direct communication is the way to go. I think what happens when we are people pleasers, for instance, and we're starting to communicate our boundaries, there can be a tendency to be too harsh because we haven't learned how to balance what are how to communicate it without it coming across too harshly but i have absolutely i truly believe that when we can start communicating what works for us and what doesn't that is when we are actually having true relationships with other people because we're not giving up parts of ourselves in order for the relationship to work what happens when we do that is we can only maintain that for a certain amount of time and eventually things are going to break down. So when we can actually communicate that and give ourselves permission to be direct and to set those boundaries, we're actually opening ourselves up to more authentic relationships, not just authentic self, but authentic relationships with the other person. Because the truth is, is that if we set a boundary with somebody and they don't honor it and they can't come to a place of honoring it, that is a relationship that maybe we need to step back from and take and evaluate whether that is a relationship that really does align with us or if we are staying in that relationship because it's become normalized. It's been that we were just in it for so long that we're just like, oh, we might as well just stay in it. That's not an authentic relationship. That's more of a, I have to be here because either this is what I deserve or I've been here long enough, so I might as well just stay. I see that a lot in toxic relationships where it's it's just so important to say, it's okay for me to decide that this relationship is no longer allowing me room to grow. It's not a failure. It's me growing. And this other person is not growing in the same way that I am. And we no longer complement each other. But to get there, I could assume, because I haven't been there necessarily, that it takes a bit of time. It takes oh, absolutely a lot of bravery as well. Bravery and time and the ability to do it when you're ready and it it works for you, right? Because, you know, it's one thing for me to sit here and say, oh, if it no longer compliments you, go ahead and give up the relationship. Mm -hmm. That's great for us to sit in here and chat Mm -hmm. about it. But when you're in a relationship, there is so much that is, goes into it. There's deeper feelings. There's just time involvement. There's the own inner work that has to be done. And so you're right. It, it takes not just bravery, but it's giving yourself the ability to uh, work through it at your own pace and recognizing that there is no timeline for these things. You dictate your own timeline. How, how do we know now I'm ready? You know, that's a great question. And I think it's, it's different for different people. I think really what it comes down to is your own inner, your own inner, listening to your own inner voice and your own inner being and recognizing for yourself that you, you have spent the time building up your own inner resources, meaning you trust yourself and you know that no matter how this evolves or ends up, you, you know, that you are going to be okay meaning you can figure out the next step for yourself. Those are the things I would say allow us to to recognize that we're ready to move forward because we're no longer looking externally for the right answer or for the way to move through it. Instead, we have that inner being that's online that says, I can trust myself. I know how to work through this. I've been through challenging times before. I have had you know, problems pop up and I have worked through it. I don't need to know the answer today. I just need to meet the problem when it shows up. Gosh, it sounds so easy. Um, it sounds so cool and collected and like a walk in the park. It's not. 
It's not. <laughs> it's not. It's not. And I really want to emphasize that, that it's not. And I, I don't want people to think that we're even attempting to say that it's easy. I say the same thing about boundary setting. You know, we talk about boundaries all the time. It's like, oh, that's great. Let me try that. It is not easy to set boundaries with people who have not, that we haven't had boundaries with before. We're going to feel uncomfortable being the boundary setter and the person who is on the receiving end of the boundary, they're going to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. So we've got these two people that are totally uncomfortable and really just want to go back to the way it was because that's so much more comfortable and just it's, we are at ease there, but we have to give ourselves permission sometimes to sit in that discomfort. We sit in that discomfort. We allow them to sit in that discomfort and eventually we find a new way of being with each other. It's the best metaphor I have for this is um, like when you're throwing a pebble into the water and there's all these ripples that happen, eventually the water quiets back down. It's kind of the same thing when we're setting boundaries. There's going to be ripples and we're going to feel the effects of the ripple. And so is the other person, but eventually things are going to calm back down because we come back to a new place of homeostasis with the new boundary in place. And I think, as a, as a client, as a coachee, as a leader, as a person, to think about that new state and what it may offer you is really important because you have the choice not to bother the water as, at all, not to throw anything into it, yes. right? And to keep it just as it is. How does it serve you? What does it hinder you from doing and achieving exactly. and being? Exactly. Yes. So make sure to think about that. And are you willing to take those um, ripples that will then exist and build up on board, play around with them a little bit and see what happens? Right. Learn learn to, to kind of ride with it. <laughs> yeah. I, I love the metaphor of uh, riding a wife mm-hmm. um, because it's such a combination of challenge sometimes failing, going underwater, and sometimes riding it and having the biggest fun and overcoming challenge, sense of pride, almost addiction, I need to do it again. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think you can find all of that when it comes to overcoming boundaries and um, sharing them with others as well and making sure they are aligned. Your story reminded me very much of a conversation I had with a group of female leaders last week, two weeks ago. It doesn't really matter when it was, but we were talking about boundaries. We were talking about saying no, which is also direct communication. And Brownie Brown says, you know, no is a complete sentence. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole debate around you cannot do that in our businesses. It has consequences for your career. And um, before we even start to think about, could we, under what circumstances could we, how can we experiment with it? There was already this limitation of, in our business, that's a no-go. I could imagine that's a pure assumption in the industries you are working, let it be legal, health sector, for example, that this Mm -hmm. could be a challenge as well, being surrounded perhaps by very strong characters, pressure, and so on. What's your view? Oh my gosh. I, um, I wish I were a part of that conversation because absolutely that comes up a lot, even in the investment banking world where I'm doing some work as well. There's such a culture around not being able to say no, because you don't want to lose the deal. It is, it is so important to, to work through that though. Cause I do believe what you said is true. It's a limiting, it's a limitation that we put on ourselves because we have to find a way to allow ourselves to say no if something doesn't work. I also recognize that in certain industries, we might not be able to simply come out and say no as a complete sentence, but it's finding ways to communicate it in a different way. We can still be direct. We might not just be as direct as no, but it's giving ourselves permission to get creative with how we can continue to set that boundary. Especially like, for instance, I know in the investment banking world, my client, my I'm working with a client right now, And we absolutely have been playing around with how you set boundaries in that industry so that you don't lose potential business at the same time. And it's so important for us to be able to do that because otherwise, as leaders, self-leaders, that is, if we don't allow ourselves to set those boundaries, we now have become very passive and we've become very reactive. And if we're really going to chart our own our own story, either professionally or personally, it is about how can we be generative? How can we own our space and not take on, you know, other people's directives and say, I mean, talk about being a people pleaser, right? That's when you're totally reactive and you don't, don't say things like, no, you don't say that something doesn't work for you. 
what ends up happening from a professional standpoint when we don't allow ourselves permission to do that is we start losing the self-trust. We don't recognize it at the surface level. It doesn't seem that way, but when we're not keeping our word to ourselves, or we're not able to say, no, something doesn't work for ourselves. We're actually eroding the under the underpinnings of self-trust and as self-trust gets eroded, we start losing our confidence. And before we know it, we don't feel like we are an effective leader when we're talking about it from a professional perspective. Wow. And I could assume that then has obviously an effect on how we show up as a leader, how we influence, how we believe in our own growth and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And, and especially I think as women too, because there's already, there's different, especially as a leader and being a woman leader, there are different things that we're dealing with in terms of, um, you know, socially, culturally, depending on where you are in the world. And so part of it is as you start to erode your own self-trust to your point, we start showing up differently and then we don't necessarily show up as the leader we really want to be in our industry. I love it that your dog agrees with us. Sorry. No, don't be. As I said, I love it. (laughs) We we live in a world where home, work, such wonderful calls come together, you know, and let's show up as such. (laughs) What's the name of your dog, by the way? We have two. One is Brocious and the other one is Jeter. Um, I happen to be a New York Yankees fan and Scott Brocious was the third baseman back in the nineties. And of course we now all know Derek Jeter. So <laughs> Great. Great. well, he can always share his opinion. <laughs> Speaking of um, combining work and our personal lives as well. Now I have one kid I'm I'm not even going to think about more than that, probably. Five is is like wow, right? You are a successful businesswoman. There are so many extracurricular uh, activities that kids bring obviously home as well, or take you out of your home to go to. And there's so much more. How do you manage your overall life to make sure you know you are in the center of it and you are being looked after by yourself? I will share that I was not always great at that. And there are still moments where I still have to work on that. But what I have really um, prided myself on is I have my time every single morning and I've communicated that to my kids too. Meaning my mornings um, is my, I will either try to work out or I will have meditation time, but it's just my quiet time before my day really gets started. And I've really, truly committed to that every, every morning. And that's really been my self-care time. It's also about giving myself permission to change what balance means on each given day. So for instance, some days are heavier with maybe things for my my kids and less so for work and vice versa, because so often we get caught up in creating work-life balance, but it's about creating what that means for each one of us Mm -hmm. and recognizing that balance doesn't mean everything is equal every single day, but we can move things based on what what's needed. Um, again, even being the mom of five kids, you know, one day, one child needs more attention than the other. It doesn't mean that you love e- anyone less. It just means that maybe one day my oldest son gets 90% of my attention because he's going through something and the other children share the other bits of, of attention. And then the next day it's going to shift again. So it's defining what balance means on any given day. And that's really how I've done and, and created my space, just trying to balance work and family. I will also share that I absolutely depend on help (laughs) and not being, and not being shy about asking for it. Mm -hmm. You know, I've really had help in terms of things like carpool um, and making sure that I had somebody else to, to help with that. And then also I'm really lucky right now that my children being the older children, they're willing to to help out with things like driving their younger siblings to practice. And I've learned that it's okay to ask for help. It doesn't mean that I'm a weaker mom or a failing mom. It means that I'm human and we can ask for support when we need it. And that's definitely part of it as well. <laughs> yeah. I'm work in progress when it comes to that. I have to admit asking for help, help is not something that comes easy, but hey, ho, work in progress. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Now, I'm fully aligned on your approach of balance. That's why I was trying to avoid the term work-life balance earlier. Everybody has to decide what it means to them. 
And it could well be the case that we choose, like in my case, to work quite a lot because I, I enjoy it. I truly mm-hmm. enjoy it. And it gives me fulfill, fulfillment, energy, and all of them. That then has a positive impact on the rest of my life as well. However, I choose that in the moment and it may well change at some point that I say it's not quite fulfilling me anymore. So have you ever had a situation where you felt a bit stagnant? And if so, what did you do? Yeah, that's actually a really good point because I tend to be much like you where I I do, I get, I'm very fulfilled by my work. And so a lot of times I do lean into my work because that it makes me feel um, fulfilled. However, there have been moments where I realize that I'm, I am not stagnant necessarily, but just feeling a little bit just sort of, it's too much all at once. And so I have given myself permission to pull back and recognize that I need, I need to take a little bit of time and shift maybe what I'm focusing on and that attention and not shaming myself for that shift, you know, trusting that I'm going to come back to whatever it is that I'm shifting up, but that this is needed for this time period. Um, you know, I, right before we got on the, you know, it was just a holiday yesterday. And we were just talking about the fact that like, do we, do we still work the same way when there's a bank holiday? And for me, I still work. Other people might just take the entire day off, but what I've learned is I want to still work because I get enjoyment out of it, but maybe I don't work the entire day. So for me, that's a way that I will shift things up so that it's not the same every single day. Um, and I have a little bit of a break. So that's just how I've, I've worked around when I feel stuck or stagnant. Yeah. I, I love that you, that you mentioned that again. I actually get quite a bit of judgment about working on bank holidays in particular oh, me for too. my family me system. Too. Oh, yes. Yes. I definitely had some back talk yesterday about why are you working? It's a day. Yes. It's, a, it's a holiday. Right. <laughs> and then I fall into this, oh, I shouldn't, this, this mm-hmm. shame. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I yep. think, oh, my God, no, it puts me back into control. I have peace. I have quiet. That's amazing. And I start right. the rest of the week on, on a completely different level. And I'm more like this balanced in my way of being. So if it works for you, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And I mean, all of you who are listening, well, do whatever works for you. What feels right in the moment? If other people cannot put themselves into your shoes in this moment and don't want to understand it or simply are not open to a different perspective and way of being, so be it. It Exactly. It has to feel good. It has to work for you. Exactly. Yes. Yes. And and I can't imagine in particular for you that it is just work and nothing else. I can't imagine you give a lot to literally everybody. The people pleasing is not going away necessarily as such. Um, and as you said, your kids are your big why. Mm-hmm. Right? So you have mm-hmm. to nourish yourself with whatever else gives you nourishment and energy. Yes, absolutely. You know, it's funny you say that because um, we're just coming off of lacrosse season and there was redefining what balance meant for me because mm-hmm. I didn't want to miss the lacrosse games for my son, but also my work is important to me. So my days looked different on those during that season mm-hmm. where some days I would work during the day. I'd take this big break in the middle of the afternoon, go watch a lacrosse game, just be really present and fill myself up with all of that energy and then come back and and work with clients later into the evening. And that's what worked for me. So it's it's exactly to your point of defining what works for you and allowing yourself to do that and put up an energetic boundary around other people's opinions of it because they will have opinions. And it's reminding yourself that the person you have to serve when it comes to things like that is yourself. Is it working for you? And if the answer is yes, then that's all you need. Love that. And if I wouldn't have another question for you, then that would have been such a wonderful final moment. But I do have another question for you because you work a lot with female leaders as well, don't you? Yes. And you are one as well. So what do we as women leaders need from one another, but perhaps also Mm -hmm. from our male peers in order to really embrace who we are and to really harness our female leadership power. I'm calling it deliberately that, and and it sounds a bit fluffy. I appreciate it. But what do we need? I truly believe that we need authentic support from one another and for each other. 
and the ability to continue to lift each other up, celebrate one another instead of consistently trying to point out somebody's flaws or to put them down and judgment. It's again, giving each one of us as female leaders, the ability to each shine and recognize that we each have something to contribute. We don't have to be exactly the same as each other, that what we bring is our uniqueness. And we, we, if we could just celebrate that and really honor that in each other, and even our male counterparts giving, celebrating those things about us that allow us to be these male, just be the leaders in our own lives. That's what will continue to help us move forward. It's not about external validation. It's about just showing up and being supportive in a very authentic way of each other. Well, what is one key top tip that you would leave with the listeners? I truly believe that if we could come from a place of not just gratitude, but a place of openness to learning and, and asking ourselves that curious question, mm-hmm. <laughs> what can I, what can I learn from this experience rather than um, judging ourselves? That's how we can continue to grow and evolve uh, as leaders, as individuals in whatever facet and role that we're playing in our lives. Thank you so, so much. Um, Beautiful nuggets that you've shared here with us. And I can't wait to share with the listeners. However, where can people find out more about you? Uh, My website is comedywood.com. And I do have social media at uh, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. It's authentic me is my handle there as well. And she is so authentic. And um, thank you so much for being your beautiful, authentic self here today, for fitting us into your busy schedule as well. And um, yeah, for being you. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Carmeny, it has been a pleasure and a joy. And to all of you out there, I'm going to ask you the same question as every other week. What did you think and make of this conversation? What stuck with you? What raised a few questions perhaps as well? And most importantly, what do you want to know more about? So what makes you curious? Share your curious questions with us here. Um, I will share obviously Carmeny's contact details as well. So get in touch directly too. And apart from that, take good care. Keep learning and growing. Bye everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Legendary Leaders podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, then remember to subscribe to the show either on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, or on my website, www.kathleenmerkel.com. I would also love to hear from you to discover what topics you'd like to hear more about, what topics really resonated with you, and how you're enjoying the show in general. Please do leave your review on iTunes as well. It would mean the world to me. Thank you so much and speak to you again next time. Bye.